Section 35 of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Ten Slave Brethren. Once upon a time, a king named Mahakamsa reigned in Uttarapatha, in the Kamsa district, in the city of Asitanjana. He had two sons, Kamsa and Upakamsa, and one daughter named Deva Gaba. On her birthday, the Brahmins skilled in omens foretold of her. A son born of this girl will one day destroy the country and the lineage of Kamsa. The king was too fond of the girl to put her to death, but leaving her brothers to settle it, lived his days out and then died. When he died, Kamsa became king and Upakamsa was viceroy. They thought that there would be an outcry were they to put their sister to death, so resolved to give her in marriage to none, but to keep her husbandless and watch and they built a single round tower for her to live in. Now she had a serving-woman named Nandagopa, and the woman's husband, Andakavanu, was the servant who watched her. At that time a king named Mahasagara reigned in Upper Madura, and he had two sons, Sagara and Upasagara. At their father's death Sagara became king, and Upasagara was viceroy. This lad was Upakamsa's friend, brought up together with him and trained by the same teacher. But he intrigued in his brother Zenana, and, being detected, ran away to Upakamsa in the Kamsa estate. Upakamsa introduced him to King Kamsa, and the king had him in great honor. Upasagara, while waiting upon the king, observed the tower where dwelt Devagaba, and, on asking who lived there, heard the story, and fell in love with the girl. And Devagaba one day saw him as he went with Upakamsa to wait upon the king. She asked who that was, and being told by Nandagopa that it was Upasagara, son of the great king Sagara, she too fell in love with him. Upasagara gave a present to Nandagopa, saying, Sister, can you arrange a meeting for me with Devagaba? Easy enough, quoth Nandagopa, and told the girl about it. She, being already in love with him, agreed at once. One night Nandagopa arranged a tryst and brought Upasagara up into the tower, and there he stayed with Devagaba, and by their constant intercourse Devagaba conceived. By and by, when the affair became known, the two brothers questioned Nandagopa. She made them promise her pardon, and then told the ins and outs of the matter. When they heard the story, they thought, We cannot put our sister to death. If she bears a daughter, we will spare the babe also. If a son, we will kill him. And they gave Devagaba to Upasagara to wife. When her full time was come, she gave birth to a daughter. The brothers on hearing this were delighted, and gave her the name of Lady Anjana and they allotted to them a village for their estate, named Govadamana. Upasagara took Devagaba and lived with her at the village of Govadamana. Devagaba was again with child, and that very day Nandagopa conceived also. When their time was come, they brought forth on the same day Devagaba, a son, and Nandagopa, a daughter. But Devagaba, in fear that her son might be put to death, sent him secretly to Nandagopa, and received Nandagopa's daughter in return. They told the brothers of the birth. 
son or daughter they asked daughter was the reply then see that it is reared said the brothers in the same way devagaba bore ten sons and nandagopa ten daughters the sons lived with nandagopa and the daughters with devagaba and not a soul knew the secret the eldest son of devagaba was named vasudeva the second baladeva the third kandadeva the fourth suryadeva the fifth agideva the sixth varunadeva the seventh ajuna the eighth pajuna the ninth Karapindita, the tenth amkura they were well known as the sons of andakavanu the servitor the ten slave brethren in course of time they grew big and being very strong and withal fierce and ferocious they went about plundering they even went so far as to plunder a present being conveyed to the king the people came crowding in the king's courtyard complaining and the Kavanu's sons the ten brethren are plundering the land so the king summoned Andakavanu and rebuked him for permitting his sons to plunder in the same way complaint was made three or four times and the king threatened him he being in fear of his life craved the boon of safety from the king and told the secret that how these were no sons of his but of upasagara the king was alarmed how can we get hold of them he asked his courtiers they replied sire they are wrestlers let us hold a wrestling match in the city and when they enter the ring we will catch them and put them to death so they sent for two wrestlers kanura and mutika and caused proclamation to be made throughout the city by beat of drum that on the seventh day there would be a wrestling match the wrestling ring was prepared in front of the king's gate there was an enclosure for the games the ring was decked out gaily the flags of victory were ready tied the whole city was in a whirl line over line rose the seats tier above tier kanura and mutika went down into the ring and strutted about jumping shouting clapping their hands the ten brethren came too on their way they plundered the washerman's street and clad themselves in robes of bright colors and stealing perfume from the perfumers shops and wreaths and flowers from the florists with their bodies all anointed garlands upon their heads earrings in their ears they strutted into the ring jumping shouting clapping their hands at the moment kanura was walking about clapping his hands baladeva seeing him thought i won't touch yon fellow with my hand so catching up a thick strap from the elephant stable jumping and shouting he threw it round kanura's belly and joining the two ends together brought them tight then lifting him up swung him round over his head and dashing him on the ground rolled him outside the arena when kanura was dead the king sent for mutika up got mutika jumping shouting clapping his hands baladeva smote him and crushed in his eyes and as he cried out i'm no wrestler i'm no wrestler baladeva tied his hands together saying wrestler or no wrestler it is all one to me and dashing him down on the ground killed him and threw him outside the arena mutika in his death throes uttered a prayer may i become a goblin and devour him 
and he became a goblin in a forest called by the name of Kalamatia. The king said, Take away the ten slave brethren. At that moment Vasudeva threw a wheel which lopped off the heads of the two brothers. The crowd, terrified, fell at his feet and besought him to be their protector. Thus the ten brethren, having slain their two uncles, assumed the sovereignty of the city of Asitanjana, and brought their parents thither. They now set out, intending to conquer all India. In a while they arrived at the city of Ayoja, the seat of King Kalasena. This they encompassed about, and destroyed the jungle around it, breached the wall, and took the king prisoner, and took the sovereignty of the place into their hands. Thence they proceeded to Dvarati. Now this city had on one side the sea, and on one the mountains. They say that the place was goblin-haunted. A goblin would be stationed on the watch, who, seeing his enemies in the shape of an ass, would bray as an ass brays. At once, by goblin magic, the whole city used to rise in the air and deposit itself on an island in the midst of the sea. When the foe was gone, it would come back and settle in its own place again. This time, as usual, no sooner the ass saw those ten brethren coming than he brayed with the bray of an ass, up rose the city in the air and settled upon the island. No city could they see, and turned back. Then back came the city to its own place again. They returned. Again the ass did as before. The sovereignty of the city of Dvaravati they could not take. So they visited Kanhadipayana, and said, Sir, we have failed to capture the kingdom of Dvaravati. Tell us how to do it. He said, In a ditch in such a place is an ass walking about. He brays when he sees an enemy, and immediately the city rises in the air. You must clasp hold of his feet, and that is the way to accomplish your end. Then they took leave of the ascetic, and went all ten of them to the ass, and falling at his feet said, Sir, we have no help but thee. When we come to take the city, do not bray. The ass replied, I cannot help but braying. If you come first, and four of you bring great iron ploughs, and at the four gates of the city dig great iron posts in the ground, and when the city begins to rise, if you will fix on the post a chain of iron fastened to the plough, the city will not be able to rise. They thanked him, and he did not utter a sound while they got ploughs, and fixed the posts in the ground at the four gates of the city, and stood waiting. Then the ass brayed. The city began to rise, but those who stood at the four gates with the four ploughs, having fixed to the posts iron chains which were fastened to the ploughs, the city could not rise. Thereupon the ten brethren entered the city, killed the king, and took his kingdom. Thus they conquered all India, and in three and sixty thousand cities they slew by the wheel all the kings of them, and lived at Devaravati, dividing the kingdom into ten shares. But they had forgotten their sister, the lady Anjana. So, Let us make eleven shares of it, said they. But Amkura answered, Give her my share, and I will take to some business for a living. Only you must remit my taxes, each in your own country. They consented, and gave his share to his sister. And with her they dwelt in Dvaravati, nine kings, while Amkura embarked in trade. 
in course of time they were all increased with sons and with daughters and after a long time had gone by their parents died at that period they say that a man's life was twenty thousand years then died one dearly beloved son of the great king vasudeva the king half dead with grief neglected everything and lay lamenting and clutching the frame of his bed then gatapandita thought to himself except me no one else is able to soothe my brother's grief i will find some means of soothing his grief for him so assuming the appearance of madness he paced through the whole city gazing up at the sky and crying out give me a hare give me a hare all the city was excited Gatapandita has gone mad they said just then a courtier named brohinea went into the presence of king vasudeva and opened a conversation with him by reciting the first stanza black kanha rise why close the eyes to sleep why lying there thine own born brother see the winds away his wit to bear away his wisdom gata raves thou of the long black hair up rose the king and quickly came down from his chamber and proceeding to gatapandita he got fast hold of him with both hands and speaking to him uttered the third stanza in manic fashion why do you pace Dvaraka all through and cry hare hare say who is there has taken a hare from you to these words of the king he only answered by repeating the same cry over and over again but the king recited two more stanzas be it of gold or made of jewels fine or brass or silver as you may incline shell stone or coral i declare i'll make a hare and many other hares there be that range the woodland wide they shall be brought i'll have them caught say which do you decide on hearing the king's words the wise man replied by repeating the sixth stanza i crave no hare of earthly kind but that within the moon oh bring him down o kesava i ask no other boon undoubtedly my brother has gone mad thought the king when he heard this in great grief he repeated the seventh stanza in sooth my brother you will die if you make such a prayer and ask for what no man may pray the moon's celestial hair Gatapandita, on hearing the king's answer, stood stock still and said, My brother, you know that if a man prays for the hare in the moon and cannot get it, he will die. Then why do you mourn for your dead son? If, Kanha, this you know and can console another's woe, why are you mourning still the son who died so long ago? Then he went on, standing there in the street, and i brother pray only for what exists but you are mourning for what does not exist then he instructed him by repeating two more stanzas my son is born let him not die nor man nor deity can have that boon then wherefore pray for what can never be nor mystic charm nor magic roots nor herbs nor money spent can bring the life again that ghost whom kanha you lament the king on hearing this answered your reminder was good dear one you did it to take away my trouble 
that in praise of Gattapandita he repeated four stanzas. Men had I, wise and excellent, to give me good advice, but now hath Gattapandita opened this day mine eyes. Blazing was I, as when a man pours oil upon a fire. Thou didst bring water, and didst quench the pain of my desire. Grief for my son, a cruel shaft was lodged within my heart. Thou hast consoled me for my grief, and taken out the dart. That dart extracted, free from pain, tranquil and calm I keep. Hearing, O youth, thy words of truth, no more I grieve nor weep. In this manner was Vasudeva consoled by Prince Gata. After the lapse of a long time during which he ruled his kingdom, the sons of the ten brethren thought, They say that Kanhadipayana is possessed of the divine eye. Let us put him to the test. So they procured a young lad and dressed him up, and by binding a pillow about his belly, made it appear as though he were with child. Then they brought him into his presence and asked him, to what, sir, will this girl give birth? The ascetic perceived that the time was come for the destruction of the ten royal brothers. Then, looking to see what the term of his own life should be, he perceived that he must die that very day. Then he said, Young sirs, what is this man to you? Answer us, they replied persistently. He answered, This man on the seventh day from now will bring forth a knot of acacia wood, with that he will destroy the line of Vasudeva, even though ye should take the piece of wood and burn it, and cast the ashes into the river. Ah, false ascetic, they said, a man can never bring forth a child. And they did the rope and string business, and killed him at once. The king sent for the young men, and asked them why they had killed the ascetic. When they heard all, they were frightened. They set a guard upon the man, and when on the seventh day he voided from his belly a knot of acacia wood, they burnt it and cast the ashes into the river. The ashes floated down the river and stuck on one side by a postern gate. From thence sprung an araca plant. One day the kings proposed that they should go and disport themselves in the water. So to this postern gate they came, and they caused a great pavilion to be made, and in that gorgeous pavilion they ate and drank. Then, in sport, they began to catch hold of hand and foot, and, dividing into two parts, they became very quarrelsome. At last, one of them, finding nothing better for a club, picked a leaf from the araca plant, which, even as he plucked it, became a club of acacia wood in his hand. With this he beat many people. Then the others plucked also, and the things as they took them became clubs, and with them they cudgelled one another until they were killed. As these were destroying each other, four only, Vasudeva, Baladeva, the Lady Anjana, their sister, and the family priest, mounted a chariot and fled away. The rest perished, every one. Now these four, fleeing away in the chariot, came to the forest of Kalamitika. There Mutika the wrestler had been born, having become, according to his prayer, a goblin. When he perceived the coming of Baladeva, he created a village in that spot, and, taking the semblance of a wrestler, he went jumping about and shouting, "'Who's for a fight?' snapping his fingers the while. Baladeva, as soon as he saw him, said, "'Brother, 
I'll try a fall with this fellow. Vasudeva tried and tried his best to prevent him, but down he got from the chariot and went up to him, snapping his fingers. The other just seized him in the hollow of his hand and gobbled him up like a radish bulb. Vasudeva, perceiving that he was dead, went on all night long with his sister and the priest and at sunrise arrived at a frontier village. He lay down in the shelter of a bush and sent his sister and the priest into the village with orders to cook some food and bring it to him. A huntsman, his name was Jarrah, or old age, noticed the bush shaking. A pig, sure enough, thought he. He threw a spear and pierced his feet. "'Who has wounded me?' cried Vasudeva. The huntsman, finding that he had wounded a man, set off running in terror. The king, recovering his wits, got up and called the huntsman. "'Uncle, come here, do not be afraid!' When he came, "'Who are you?' asked Vasudeva. "'My name is Jara, my lord.' "'Ah!' thought the king. "'Whom old age wounds to die, so the ancients used to say.' Without doubt, I must die today. Then he said, Fear not, uncle, come, bind up my wound. The mouth of the wound bound up. The king let him go. Great pains came upon him. He could not eat the food that the others brought. Then, addressing himself to the others, Vasudeva said, This day I am to die. You are delicate creatures and will never be able to learn anything else for a living. So learn this science from me. So saying, he taught them a science and let them go, and then died immediately. Thus, excepting the lady Anjana, they perished every one, it is said. End of section 35